Welcome to Kaiseki Anime, where we air new episodes every other Monday. Kaiseki covers currently airing anime, older series seen recently, and other relevant topics for the season. I'm your host, Marina, of the blog Anime BNB, and with me is my co-host, Draggle, of the cleverly titled Draggle's Anime Blog. This week, the theme is motorcycles. We take to the road with Megalovox 2, Nomad, and Super Cub. start with Megalovox 2, Nomad. This is a sequel of a show from a couple of years ago now, I guess, where in the first season there is this guy who was a boxer, um, but with like robot boxing, and he beat up the bad guy, and now he became a drug addict, uh, homeless. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually been three years, if you can believe it. Oh my gosh. It seems just I know, yesterday. right? Yeah. 2018 is when this show aired, and now we're in 2021, and the main character, who I think we originally know as Junk Dog, and then we later know him as Joe. Oh, I don't remember him being Junk Dog. <laughs> yeah, that was like the very beginning of the first season, they called him that. Huh, okay. Yeah, it has been a while. Yeah. Yeah, but... I'm loving this season so far. I don't know how you feel. Do you like it more than the first season, or it's just different and you like it for itself? I think I like it better, yeah. it, it feel, It's like even less a sports show than the previous season was, even though that one wasn't much of a sports show either. And now they're really focusing on like the immigrants and drug addiction and dealing with all of his failures. I feel like this is definitely a story that works in pretty much every generation because it feels timely now. But you could probably say that like five years ago, 10 years ago. I think it's the type of show and the type of topics that will always feel relevant with, like you mentioned, the immigrants that take up the first arc of the second season, right? Yeah. And it, it deals with it in like not many anime like deal with topics of immigrants. I think it's like a country yeah. that doesn't have many immigrants. And when they do, they're a bit xenophobic, especially like with Koreans and Chinese people. And it, when they do have a show that talks about like accepting other people, usually it's a bit less realistic if that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know why this is coming to mind, but when you first mentioned that, I was just thinking about Carol on Tuesday. Did you finish that show? Uh, I did finish that show. If you remember, it was it was Carol, right? The one that was an immigrant, and like how they sort of highlighted that on their like rise to stardom, and were sort of using that as a right, right. Yeah, that's true. A way to mark them as different. But that wasn't really the main focus of the show, right? And that show ended on a very, I think, idealistic mm -hmm. future, or at least hope for the future, which isn't bad, per se, maybe given like what it felt like at the time. From what I recall, was that ending like they all sun sing, sing together and stop the war and we that's all what I mean like it's extremely idealistic like if we could end wars by singing together how amazing would that be yeah <laughs> it's like but that's every, not the case every across the show yeah it's a it's a beautiful idea um and they even mentioned that 
like characters in that story mention that like this is idealistic this can't be real right and here in this megalo box it's a story of can we make peace by punching each other in the face not really and you can and can't <laughs> i think it takes a a much more realistic stance on it mm-hmm. i agree yeah it's very like pessimistic but there's also a bit of subtlety to it like I'm thinking of when they were getting, the immigrants were getting kicked out and the guy had to win the boxing match. Yeah. And the guy with all the money was like kind of happy they won, even though he wasn't going to do anything about it that like risked his own money. Right. He's not going to go out on a limb for them. Right. Right. But, but he's also he wasn't like, unhappy that they got it. Yeah, he's also like, I hate this this other guy. <laughs> yeah, but honestly, like that sounds like a lot of people, right? That right. sort of complacency where, like, they know what's right and wrong. They know what they probably prefer, but they're not willing to risk their own safety for it. Exactly, and I think Megalovox uh, shows that pretty well. Yeah, another thing I thought was really well shown, like well portrayed was it's not like painting the immigrants as like the complete victims in this, right? Right. Because you have that son. Yeah, that right? You have like the part. first generation. I-, I can't remember if he immigrated with them or if he was born there. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. But he's going through all of that pressure, right, of having moved there and feeling terrible because they're stigmatized, they're being um, discriminated against by everyone who was there before. But he also wants to fit in and have friends. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's like turning against his own people to try to appeal to people who are <laughs> prejudiced against them. Right? right. He's trying to be like, no, I'm not like them. I'm one of you. Yeah. And he does sound like really objectively awful. Terrible things. things. As well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all like, I can see where he's coming from. I think they do a good job of like showing why he acts the way he does. But then you also know that he's going to regret this later or you just feel terrible watching him make these mistakes. Yeah. And he he does regret it later, and yeah, his bad friends they they regret it a little bit too. I think it's interesting how they showed it at the end. I think like one of them, maybe not so much, but a right. couple of them, it shows that they had some remorse or that they they actually did like him. Yeah, yeah, I think as a show that portrays conflict well, but also has like a bit of nuance to it. Yeah, no, I I think it it does a really good job of portraying people and other nuances, right? Yeah. Another show which tries to do this, which I don't think succeeds on the nuance front, is uh, 86. Oh, yeah. That one's uh, a little more blatant. A lot more blatant. Where there, they're like, oh, these these people aren't even humans. Yeah. <laughs> I think their heart is in the right place, but they're just so, so less like soft with the touch, you know? Yeah, it's hard to take it seriously for me as opposed yeah. to my glow box. Something else that I, I think was shown well here that is shown from the beginning, right? You're kind of wondering, like, what the heck happened to Joe? Mm-hmm. And we see this all through the migrant arc where he's struggling with his own drug addiction. Yeah. And he's having to get over it, right? And combat his, his need for these, I'm assuming they're painkillers, right? Mm-hmm. That a lot of the megalo boxers end up getting hooked on. And how, like, that one pivotal character from the migrant community, uh, Chief, right, is someone who went through that himself. Yeah. And was able to overcome it. And he's sort of that guiding light in a way to help Joe realize that he can also get over it. And that there is, like, something that he can do with himself after the fact, right? That's what, that's, like, what ties together to the next arc that we're currently in, isn't it? Is that he's clean and he is going back to face everything that he left behind. Yeah. And that's another topic that anime rarely goes to, the drug addiction. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think of, like, shows that 
actually even talk about it. Mm. There's that one. Is it Gangsta? I'm trying to remember. There was like some shows where they showed a little bit of like prostitution and drug addiction, but there's not that many. Yeah, I think Gangsta, they were mostly like selling drugs. Yeah. I don't remember Been a that while. one too well. <laughs> but yeah, I really love uh, how they connected those two arcs. And now uh, this arc is even more brutal than the first one where he, he... You think so? I think so, yeah. When he just... It's more like personal, I guess. Oh, yeah. For the main character, because um, he goes back and he sees the consequences of what he did, and mm-hmm. everyone we saw in the previous show like hates his guts now. And yeah. their first reaction when they see him is to either run away or punch him. This like extreme animosity, or just like, why are you here? Go away. Exactly. We don't need you anymore. Yeah, but it, it looks like he's uh, convincing them by sticking around a bit more. Yeah, because with the very beginning, I think that was what was so jolting coming back into the story, into this world of Megalobox, was that Mm. you see Joe, like, the last time we saw him, they were triumphant, right? Like, everything seemed so hopeful. And then suddenly we see him down in the dumps at the start of the second season. And they hint on it here and there. You see a lot of suffering. You see, like, his hallucinations through his, like, drug addiction, right? Mm. And it's not until after some of those scenes and after the the migrant arc ends that we get more information about what happened. Because we know something has to do with Nambu's death, right? Right, right. <laughs> We know everything went to shit after he died. We just don't know the exact details of what happened. And now we do. And Honestly, it's it's hard because I don't think everything is Joe's fault. I can see why he made the choice that he did is because he just couldn't accept giving up, right? He couldn't mm-hmm. accept letting Nambu die peacefully with his friends and family close to him. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of it was, uh, especially by the kids, was a bit unfair towards him for the blaming yeah. about his death. And it seems like they realized that as well in the... As they got older. Well, even like over the course of this arc, they've realized that, especially the, yeah. the was it the girl, I think? Is the girl who's now a mechanic apprentice yeah, or yeah, something? Yeah. Well, she was the one who was closer to the Satchio, right? Right. Even from back then and sort of took more his side. But then because she chose to go with Joe for that final match, she was also not there when Nambu died as well, right? So I kind of wonder if she blames him for that. Right. Uh, I don't know. I feel like they should get over it. He died But I can understand, like, this happened when you're so young, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you don't really have that balanced way of thinking. Everything is a little more black and white at that age. That's true. Yeah. I can see how it would be a scarring moment. And it seems like he he failed them in other ways as well. Yeah. Although, I mean, I can see why he left, right? Like, he should have thought more balanced as an adult that being yelled at to go away, like, this is the reaction of a kid. Yeah. (laughs) Who is just spitting things out in anger and might not exactly mean it now. Because he was also in a really emotional, unsteady point of his life, right? He mm. he took it at heart and he left, which he shouldn't have done. No. So, yeah, I, something I really, again, I've said this before, like about this show is just how everyone seems so real. Like, they're not perfect. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen with this other guy who doesn't seem real, the uh, Mac time. He is an awesome character, and I really like the way they introduced him and his backstory. Oh, I I think it's not going to go how you expect, because that, that whole backstory looked like a commercial. <laughs> Wait, you think so? I mean, it, it oh, is, sure. right? Because it's, well, it's, it is and it isn't, right? Because they were saying that they never expected him to give back to them, right? They just were happy to have someone who was willing to accept their experimentate. Yeah, I don't believe that for a minute. <laughs> you don't? No. You don't think it's genuine after, like, we've gotten to know a couple of the characters, right? Like, 
We know Yukiko from the first season. I don't think she's a bad person. She's a scientist. But she barely did anything. It's all this other guy. Which one, Yuri or? No, the the new scientist guy. Oh yeah, I already I already forgot his name. I I never remembered it. So, but yeah, I I, I feel like uh, things are not quite as they seem in this whole Mac time story. How are you predicting this will turn out? I don't know. I think one of the scientists is going to have like an evil turn and it's going to turn out they did this for some nefarious research purpose. What if they pleasantly don't do that, huh? <laughs> will you be disappointed? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I think it's uh, Sakuma, like the younger scientist, mm-hmm. the the young man with the glasses. Yeah, I don't trust him. If anyone, I think, yeah, he would probably be the one to turn his back on them. <laughs> or or not turn his back on them. What do you mean? Oh, like he has a hook on the guy and he's going to take advantage of it kind of thing. Oh, yeah, maybe. But we'll see. I also really enjoyed um, meeting Liu, which is Yuri's pupil. Oh, yeah, that was good. That turned out a lot better than I expected when we first saw him. And we first, like, meet him. I thought he was going to be an ass. <laughs> I thought so, too. <laughs> but that turned out to not be the case. And I actually quite like him. And I, I think it's pretty cool seeing him uh, get to spar with Joe. Are you up to that part? Yeah, that's the last episode I watched. Yeah, that was an awesome scene, I think, to see the two of them just take everything off and just go at it. Yeah, he, he is a good guy. So I think we're halfway through the season. So he's still got, like, a good handful of episodes to go. Good. Lots more to look forward to. You know, it's funny. We talked about this show, and the reason why we paired this with Super Cub is because of the motorcycles, but we don't actually get to see much motorcycle in Megaloblox 2 this season, do we? Oh, right. It's, it's, he ended up with these immigrants because his... Because of the motorcycle, yes. Yeah, the kid, like, broke his bike or something. Yeah, well, no, the kid stole his bike and then right, right. took it apart for because he sold it for parts. That's right. <laughs> so I guess that is... that's. What brought us here? But then we haven't really seen the bike since. He, he rode it to the city after the guy yeah. died. But otherwise, you're right. <laughs> yeah. But this next show that we're going to talk about, Super Cub, it is all about the bikes. Yes. Would you ever have guessed I would like this show? Um, you know, yes and no. <laughs> because, like, at a glance, this is cute girls doing arguably cute things, right? Like, it's very slice of life. Right. It's just about a couple of cute girls. They're just going about their day, just like driving their motorcycles. There's very, very little apparent conflict. So it's funny to me that you do like this. But then I know you also like outdoors kinds of activities. Uh, I think part of it's like you said, the outdoor things. But also I think it's it's different from the usual cute girls doing cute things. And that right. this girl is uh, a very non-traditional cute girl. That she She's undeniably very cute. But she's also like very quiet and withdrawn and keeps to herself and not popular yeah. and doesn't have many friends. And none of that's changed in this show. That has to changed, but she has she has one friend, one friend. <laughs> we can talk about this then the development of her character because I think she's improved quite a bit, or at least she's grown quite a bit. Sure, but it's not like the usual cute girls cute doing cute things show where like there's maybe one loner girl and then she suddenly meets like her four new best friends and they do everything <laughs> together and they're popular and they live happily ever after. Yeah. No, it doesn't do that. Yeah, so I, I really like that, first of all. And it's just really, really well made. I love the animation. It's kind of like, how do I say? I, I'm not an art person, but like not fully colored, kind of. like. Yeah, it's shaded. a little more pastel, right? It's yeah. like not as saturated. That sounds reasonable. 
Yeah, yeah. it's not super saturated. It's um, paler colors, lighter lines. And it's funny that I say it like that because it's almost watercolor in appearance in the way that matches its music very well. I don't know how much you listen to the music in the background, Draggle. Huh. But they play a lot of, like, impressionist kind of music. I didn't even know that was a type of music. Oh, yeah. Impressionist art and music. If you think of, uh, you know, Claude Debussy? No. Claire de Lune? Uh, sounds familiar. Wait, you mean Claude Monet? Anyways. Okay. I believe There's you. a lot of that era's music in the show. And they play it in the background, like, because the show is very peaceful, right? Oh. I, I never noticed that. You should uh, listen to the music sometime. They, they play some WC, they play some Satier. I believe they played Ravel. But um, oh. Impressionist music is like one of my favorite eras of music. Okay. So like that's why I noticed it immediately and really liked it. And I feel like it suits the show and the characters very well. I will have to pay more attention next time to the music. Yeah, but that's that's where I'm pairing the, the background music and the, the art for this show. I think is well done. And it's just funny to me that it's about motorcycles. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I love how much they love Super Cub. It's, yeah. It, it inspires passion. It's an unabashed love for their Super Cubs. Yeah, I feel like I, I've been missing out on this uh, very dangerous activity of motorcycle riding. You know, the way that they portray it, though, it doesn't really seem dangerous because I, I don't know at the speeds that they're doing it at, right? Because the first license she gets doesn't seem like she goes that fast. Yeah. And then she has to, like, get another license to go faster. Yeah, it seems like they have to go under 25 miles an hour or something, <laughs> something <laughs> like that. <laughs> it doesn't seem that dangerous to me at the moment. But inherently, like, riding a motorcycle is more dangerous than, say, riding a car, right? Yeah. Uh, and it seems we haven't really seen them, like, ride on the highway. They seem to just be in the country doing, like, one-lane <gasps> roads, mostly. Are you at that episode yet where she missed out at the school trip and she had to, like, stay I, home while they all left? Yeah, I did see that episode. I'm pretty sure she had to ride on some major roads to catch up to them. Hmm, okay. I'm not quite certain because I'm not familiar with those roads, but it looked like they were, like, busier roads than she used to have to do. Okay. But, yeah. Yeah, the way they portray it, though, it doesn't seem... It, they don't make it seem too dangerous, but I, I think in general motorcycle riding is quite dangerous. Yeah, and, like... I thought it was hilarious, the contrast between, like, they're mostly peaceful motorbiking, right? And all of a sudden, we get, like, their summer break, <laughs> and we've got Raiko trying to drive up Mount Fuji, right? Yeah, what? With, like, what, rock music playing. What in the world was she thinking? <laughs> <laughs> She's going someplace far away, yet close, right? <laughs> <sighs> close, yet far away. That arc cracked me up, because I was like, this is so counter to what I expected from, like, these past episodes. But in a way, I feel like it fits her character. It does fit her character. It's so stupid. <laughs> That's what her friend told her, right? That's what Koguma tells her. She's like, it's stupid to try to bike up the mountain. Yeah, that construction boss was irresponsible. I don't know. I think he understood her passion. And like, you could tell the show does such a good job with very stoic faces mm -hmm. with like the slightest change in like their mouth shape to show their feelings. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> like the first time he looks like a little concerned. Other times he's sort of like judging her like because she's always angry, right? She says she stops smiling after a while. And then when she comes back or she like perks up, then he kind of smiles. <laughs> Yeah, but that's like, I don't know. I, I was so mad at her. I, I didn't care. I was like... I was mad at her for destroying her bike. Yeah, she... 
Like, she can't just go slowly up the mountain, but she's, like, racing up the mountain and falling <laughs> off the cliffs. Like, I was you're watching gonna this die. with and he's like, why is she going so hard at the mountain? Yeah, well, she could have just slowed down, and she would have been fine and finished yeah. faster. <sighs> yeah, I think that's why it shows, like, at the end there, she mm. took it more calmly, didn't she? It seems she was taking the corners a lot more safe than before. And so she was able to get up higher. It's just like the altitude sickness, I think, that got to her. I guess. I don't, I've don't. i never experienced altitude sickness like that, but maybe. I know Kevin said <laughs> that he's felt it before when he's gone cycling um, in some of the higher places. Mm-hmm. But, like, the instant that she, like, did that first reaction, that first scene, he knew it. He was like, oh, is that altitude sickness? And then they're like, yes, it is. So... It's it's very believable to me, and I think they portrayed that well. Yeah, most of it was fine, but like I don't think the altitude sickness just made her instantly stupid. <laughs> no, no, no. I think that's just her own stubbornness. Yeah, that was that was my bigger complaint. <laughs> but in a way, I think that it's good that she acknowledges that yes, she doesn't understand it herself, but her desire to do this, and yes, it was stupid, and her friend tells her it's stupid. <laughs> so yeah <laughs> i think it's good that they show a side of not always doing things safely right that's in the contrast to reiko when she takes it to remember for the first couple of oil changes and the old man is like telling her that it's almost like you're riding her too gently right right <laughs> and then they show this scene yeah hopefully she won't be kind of like that <laughs> no but i i really liked that her missing that school bus out forced her to like really go on a long road trip with her bike Mm-hmm. And like the things that she saw, the sights that she saw by herself, which reminded me a lot of uh, Rin from Laid Back Camp, right? Right, right. <laughs> and how she like took pleasure in seeing those sights on her own. Yeah, although the whole Japanese sense of long road trip is amusing to me as an American, since I yeah I just did a thirty-three hour road trip recently. Oh my gosh! <laughs> on a bike though? No, on I a think car. it's a little different on a bike. It is, yeah. Especially like a, a super cub. Yeah, and for sure from someone, remember, she's she's mentioned that her world is very small, usually. So right. that was probably a significant change for her. Right. I guess my world is very big. Yeah, you've traveled, you like to go camping, you have been to faraway places, and it doesn't seem like she really has. That's true. I did feel the sense of adventure as she was. Even just like going to the convenience store at night. It felt like yeah. a, a big accomplishment. <laughs> and I like that. I like that this show revels in the small accomplishments. Yeah, yeah, me too. And somehow it's able to make what would seem like a mundane task something to be excited for. You right. know what I mean? Like, right. like changing the oil by herself, right? I wish I had some of that enthusiasm. So it makes me smile just like how heartwarming this show is for just... The satisfaction that she gets. And, and like you mentioned, I'm glad that she's made a friend here and there. You can see that she's grown in her comfort for talking to other people. Because if you remember at the start, she just has a really hard time talking to others. Yeah. But now she like talks to the teacher. She talks to the teacher at the yeah. other school. She yes. talks to the old super cub people. Yes. She talked to their uh, class representative after the school festival, right? That's During right. and after. Yeah. So I think she's coming out of her shell. But it's not like that unrealistic popularity that you said that is common in other shows. Yes, she she's made a total of two friends, Reiko and her super cub. Oh, and her super cub is the number one friend, of course. Of course. <laughs> so now I'm not quite sure where the show is going, because again, I believe this is a single core show. 
And I believe they're supposed to make another friend. And I can't remember if it's going to be that class representative who showed an interest in their bikes or what. But there's supposed to be a third character, right? Oh, really? I have no idea. I remember just from, like, the promo art for the opening Hmm. that there's a third girl who appears. And I'm just wondering when they're going to introduce her. I bet it'll be class representative. Like, she's just going to get into biking and join them on their rides? She has blue hair. She's clearly an important character. Right. (laughs) (laughs) One other thing I do like is um, I like the old Super Cub men. Like the guy who sold her who sold her the super cup and the yeah he's great the teacher who gave her the basket and that you can just like sense how excited they are they're like oh the young people love super cup now <laughs> our time <laughs> the has next come. generation <laughs> yeah yeah they're passing it on to the next generation this love for super cups right yeah. <laughs> and I think they even acknowledge when um, she has that lovely sleepover with Reiko, which was really surprising to find out that Reiko lives on her own like that. Right. But when they're just sort of talking about how, like, you have newer bikes mm-hmm. and, like, the bikes that they like to ride are sort of in the older style, but they're going to continue loving them regardless. And so hopefully that does continue on until they're old. <laughs> yeah. And they can pass it on to the next generation. Yeah. The legacy of Super Cub. Tune in again to Kaiseki Anime Podcast two weeks from now. Please feel free to send us questions or comments on Twitter with hashtag Kaiseki Anime Podcast or on our individual accounts at Draggle underscore Coon and at Anime BNB. Listen and review us on Apple Podcasts so we can continue to grow and improve. You can also find us on Google Play and Spotify. Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>